0: Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself, and a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk.
1: When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what
2: it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com.
3: It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357 Now, here are your hosts Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well,
0: good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the Lai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We are with you here as usual until 11 o'clock with the phone lines open. We've got plenty to talk about on this Saturday morning, three weeks away from the first football game, ready or not.
4: Are you fired up?
0: Not yet. <laughs> I like to, I like to either, gradually go. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'm ready for some football, I guess going to be here whether we're ready or not but we'll be ready. But what about you? Are you ready?
4: Well, we're trying. Yeah, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about him. I uh you know, I, it's uh th- there's a lot of key positions. I I was interested particularly in in how Calvin Avery's doing because they've had going back several years they've had trouble getting him to, in shape to play and he's gone down from what 350 down to 320 maybe. And uh that's good. I mean, cuz he's somebody's going to have to play that no-stackle position and And uh, they had a great player there last year in Perry that's kind of overlooked. He'll be hard to replace.
0: And we'll start getting some of those answers now that, uh, well, this kind of wraps up today's practice, kind of wraps up the uh, first week of uh, fall practice. Yeah, they've
4: just been able to hit a little bit, and now today they're going to have what I would call a a pretty good, uh, I don't want to, it's not exactly a scrimmage, but there'll be a lot of contact today, and it's open.
0: It's not open to the public.
4: Well, it's open to donors. (laughs) Well,
0: that's fine, but we need to make sure that you're not saying it's open, so it is not. It's open to the media. It is.
4: That's our first chance to really see them do anything.
0: Yep, that's going on uh, later on this morning. Baseball last night felt like a playoff game in St. Louis, didn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Cardinals beat the Yankees 4-3. Bringing the Yankees
4: to town is really, it's a big deal, and uh, the Cardinals had, had just had three good games with the Cubs in which they came back in, in the first one, and then they, they won all three, and so they had a little streak going, and And I thought they hung in pretty well with uh, Hudson, who was uh, sh- pretty shaky in those early innings, but uh, they held the Yankees' alley scoring late and, and uh, got the big double by DeYoung to win the game.
0: They've won five in a row now, seven of their last ten. And they're tied with Milwaukee, who also won uh, last night. So they're tied for first place in uh, that division. The Cubs uh, got a two round homer from uh, Wilson Contreras in the bottom of the eighth.
4: Yeah, two to one game. To
0: win that game over um, Miami, two to one was the final. And the White Sox beat the Rangers last night, two to one. White Sox are over 500, Steve. <laughs> they're two games over, and they're only two games back.
4: I know. That, that's right. Uh, Minnesota's only five games over 500 themselves, I believe. And so. White Sox have got a, still got a chance, so they can just put a little streak together.
0: Two games behind. Uh, they're also tied with Cleveland, two games behind Minnesota. So that division is pretty wide open. You got any comments about uh, baseball last night or anything else? We're going to start uh, things open with an open line. Our guest uh, lineup uh, coming up on the show today, Michael Leroy will join us from the U of I Law School. Kevin McKinney is a, a member of the Wyoming Cowboys broadcast team. He's been on that broadcast team for I think we'll, we'll uh, double check with him. This will be his fiftieth 50th 50th year, year.
4: Ooh.
0: Uh, as the he was former SID, but uh, uh, he'll be with us to talk about uh, the Cowboys as they have begun practice. And what do we want to have old people on the show for? I didn't say he was old. He <laughs> might he might have started when he was twelve. You know? <laughs> you know, we have a tendency to have. Guys like you, old like, and older. No, you, know, you, you got to have guys like ourselves, right? We're <laughs> no, we're but
4: you're, you're retired, but not category. retired. You're in my category, you're a young guy.
0: We're retired, but not retired. We, you can't uh, get rid of us, I guess. Um, speaking of older gentlemen, yes, and legends in the oh, same man. sentence, I know where you're going. Dick Van Syok, the legendary, yep. uh. Peoria basketball coach.
4: You know when, uh, when Peoria Manuel won those four straight championships? Yeah, he won the first one. He won the first one, yeah. That was in
0: 1994.
4: 826 wins at Manuel.
0: Yeah, that's total. He had 500, total. 501 right. wins at Manuel.
4: Right. He, had, he was at Washington and one other school before yeah. that, yeah.
0: 26 years at but Manuel.
4: But a really good guy. I knew him in, in, uh 98 years old.
0: Yep. And he turned the reins over to Wayne McLean. And the rest is history there. They they won the next three state titles. Certainly a legendary guy that uh, will be missed. 217-356-9397 is our phone number. And uh, Andy Dixon is another guy that's going to join us on the show in the second hour. Andy, a Champaign uh, High School, Champaign Central uh, graduate who went on to play football at Wyoming. Let's
4: ask him what ever happened to fullbacks in football. How he many teams? How many teams have fullbacks now?
0: I looked up his rushing yardage. Or oh, we'll, did you? We'll uh, we'll pull that out when he gets here. Okay. He had uh, in three years he rushed for just under a thousand yards. Okay. Nine hundred ninety-two yards, four point four yards per carry. scored seven touchdowns. Okay. I think he caught one touchdown pass. Actually, threw a pass. <laughs> okay. I think it fell incomplete. <laughs> 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 We'll, we'll see what he remembers about that. He played for coach named Fritz Schirmer. And he also played one year for Fred Akers. Is that right? At uh, Wyoming. Okay. Here's some other names that you'll know that have a connection to Wyoming. Vic Koenig. Okay. He was the Wyoming coach.
4: Yeah. He's retired now, I believe.
0: Yeah. He was only 5-29 and 29 as head but coach at Wyoming. He was a Wyoming. great
4: defensive coordinator for the University of Illinois back in, what, 2011 or so? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Joe Tiller,
4: oh yeah, head coach at at, uh, at Purdue. Purdue.
0: He was a head coach at Wyoming from '91 to '96. Dennis Erickson was there one year before uh, moving on. Okay, Bob Devaney was at Wyoming before he went to Nebraska.
4: How about that?
0: Back in 1957 to '61, he was 31 and 10. <laughs> that uh, that got him the Nebraska job then. But we'll talk to Andy Dixon about that. In the meantime, the phone lines are open, 217-356-9397. So if you're a baseball fan, let's start uh, with what uh, each of the locals did uh, generally uh, on the trade deadline. Are you happy with what the Cardinals got done?
4: Well, I feel a little bit better than I did maybe at the time. It took me a little time to get used to Quintana, who's been up. uh, He came up with the White Sox about 10 or 11 years ago and pitched for them uh, about 3 years he had a pretty good record price uh, I remember uh, I think I remember the, for the first 3 years like he was 33 and 23 so but he's bounced around and bounced around and of course he was with the Cubs and then he left the Cubs and here he is uh, with the he, he reminds me of John Lester coming in you know a, a left-hander that maybe can give him some help down the stretch
0: that wouldn't be bad I think he's uh, nothing against uh, Lester because I he certainly played a role, but I think this is a step up. I think these two guys that they, that they were able to obtain uh, are a step up from Lester and Hap that they had last and they're
4: year. they're a step up from throwing your bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Although, okay, everybody pitched two innings tonight. <laughs> well, how,
0: how about the job that Pallante did last night, though? Four well, he, innings.
4: He, that might be a good slot for him. And, the Cubs, and if Hudson's going to pitch, you're going to need somebody to go the net last five. You're going
0: to need me to go in the other room when Hudson pitches because <laughs> I'm yelling at the TV, just pitch the ball. Over
4: the plate once <laughs> well, in a while. I
0: don't care where you throw. It just, just don't take so long to do it. It's like getting behind a slow foursome on the golf course. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hit yeah. it while we're young. You right?
4: wait on every hole. Right?
0: <laughs> and the Cubs held on to a couple of guys that uh, – Everybody thought they were going to move. When
4: Contreras is starting to hit again. You know, he had a big slump right in the last 20 games or so before. I think he felt like he was going to be traded. He probably wasn't concentrating as well as he wanted to. And and uh you know, they're they're saying their goodbyes on their last home game and hugging each other. And you know, the, he's gone. He's gone. And next thing you know, he's back and he's played really well. He hurt the Cardinals in that series, although the Cardinals were able to win the games, but. Uh, he's a really good catcher. I, you know, I th- I heard for a while he might go to the White Sox, but nothing happened.
0: Yeah, I heard that too. He might just go across town. The Cardinals and Yankees again tonight. Also, the Cubs play the Marlins again, and the White Sox continue their series in Texas against uh, the Rangers. Coming up in baseball action today. Illinois football getting ready for that uh, opener coming up three weeks from today. <clears throat> I, I suppose somebody has seen odds. I've not looked very. Hard for odds of that ball game. Illinois will be favored in that game against mm-hmm. the Cowboys, who were seven and six last year, but only two and six in the Mountain West. But they lost a lot of players.
4: Well, they won the first four games, and then they then they kind of hit the skids, and and uh, they did beat Kent State in a bowl game at the Potato Bowl, the Potato Bowl. What do you How get about? for winning that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you get something it's better than potatoes, losing, that's all I know. But they have lost. I don't ever recall. And obviously, I, I, I don't know enough to make this statement, but you tell me how you could lose the following. their transfers. Now, these are guys that just could have played more. Their top two quarterbacks transferred. Their running back, who had 3,274 yards in a the career there, Valaday, transferred. He's going to Arizona State. Four key losses in the offensive line, three of whom were absolute starters. Wide receiver, their best playmaker, is gone. Defensive tackle, defensive end, two out of the four linemen, or five depending on how they line up. Uh, The two guys with 11 starts transferred. They had more time to play, but they transferred. The top linebacker is gone. He had 142 tackles and two pick sixes. Uh, He's gone, and they lost four starters in the defensive backfield. I have covered virtually every position on the team, and I have never seen so many guys. Now some of those ran out of eligibility, a few of those sure. ran out of eligibility, but they had ten transfers and they're vital guys to the team. Now they added five transfers and they got a quarterback in uh, who's going to probably be a starter. But uh,
0: and they do have a running back who had uh, almost eight hundred yards. Yeah, they
4: do. That's right. Titus Swin is his name. Yeah, Swen. Yeah, yeah, he
0: scored seven touchdowns and averaged yeah, six yards right. of carry.
4: But that other guy was their was their workhorse, Valade. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm, there's something going on there when you lose so many key key players, starters. Usually, when people transfer, it's because most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it's because they're either, they want to move up, or they just feel like they're not, you know, something's wrong at the program. And boy, this is a this is a lot of guys leaving.
0: Speaking of transfers. In the 21-22 transfer portal stats, you saw these stats. One out of, this is uh, in Power 5, one out of every 12 transfers, one out of every 12, moved up. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's not many. That's not many. The rest went down or moved laterally.
4: Or didn't go anywhere.
0: 46 percent, 46 percent of players, this is football and basketball, who entered... The portal will not play, this was actually basketball, will not play NCAA basketball this year. 46% That's of happening. the people that transferred, it's almost half, are not going to play. And we've we've talked about it in the past. You know, why don't we hear about that? How many of those people that are in there don't get picked up, don't get to go back or go somewhere else? That, and doesn't,
4: it, that number doesn't seem right. It's it's, just I mean, it doesn't it, seem right to me. I,
0: it's right. I mean, mm-hmm. it came... From a reliable source, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it came from the transfer portal.
4: Yeah, so well, that's amazing. It, it
0: is amazing. I d- I didn't think it would be that high.
4: I, I had no idea. I don't know it's if that a, makes you. It's a you... game of musical chairs, and, and what you're telling me is forty percent get s- left standing up.
0: Yeah, the song is getting <laughs> <laughs> getting shorter on the yeah. musical chairs, and certainly, uh, you know, people that are advising these kids need to bring that up at some point.
4: Well, you're on basketball. Yeah. I got a complaint. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Other than Syracuse, which the Illini play on November the 29th at home, their other home regular season games are Eastern Illinois, Kansas City, Monmouth, Lindenwood, Alabama A&M, and Bethune-Cookman.
0: Have you ever, is that, mm-hmm. we're going to start there, have you ever, that's can not you a, remember?
4: <laughs> well, they do have a couple of uh, big, big Ten games coming up in December. That but one
0: will be home, one will be away.
4: That's true. Right. Yeah, one will be home. And uh, so and, and they have, so, so what you basically have before January the 1st, before January the 1st, you have two games that are really uh, attractive, and that's Syracuse and whoever the Big Ten opponent is. That's all. Before January the 1st, and the other, those those six games are, they just need to strengthen it a little bit. I mean, if you think you got a decent team, which I think, Illinois, I feel like they're going to be good this year. Um, Gee, get get somebody, get Bradley, get Butler, get St. Louis, get somebody in here from around that's, that's a quality team.
0: Get Kentucky in here.
4: Well, that's a... That's going a little strong. I but, understand that, but uh, uh, I was kind of happy, kind of kidding, hey, but not really. I'd be happy to home and home with Kentucky, yeah. but I, it's not my decision. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's a.
4: I'm. I. I wouldn't be afraid of them. I just. Uh, but I don't think you know Kentucky's going to be careful about going away from home. But I, I assume.
0: Yeah, I'm, I have most of those teams, including Illinois, are. I mean, that's. You know, that's. I get that, but there's enough teams with. Um, Regional interest, you mentioned Butler, you you mm-hmm. didn't mention Notre Dame, but why not have a Notre Dame game every year? Um, Dayton, Cincinnati. Oh, yeah,
4: there's there's a lot of teams. You, I, I, but I, I think that everybody you're naming would require uh, either a home-and-home home or, or a two-for-one, maybe. So,
0: well, what's, what, it, what's the matter with a home-and-home? Home? <laughs> well,
4: it takes away one home game.
0: I understand that, but... It also gets more interest and beefs up the schedule a little bit. And.
4: Well, I'd, I'd rather see at least a mix of good games somewhere along the line there. This is, this is going too far, but Lou Henson did some of the same things. I mean, he, he scheduled a lot of games that were, you know, remember that tournament the, the he Lou, had?
0: Lou Henson inv- Invitational. <laughs> <laughs> the Alumni Classic. Mm-hmm. that They never lost a game. Well, that's yeah. You're right. Now those games, I, I'm guessing, will be attended well. Those games you just mentioned, because nobody's well, seen this team.
4: Oh, I think everybody's anxious to yeah. see the team. I'm anxious to see Shannon. I'm anxious to see Meyer. I'm anxious to see the freshman and Sky Clark and Epps. I mean, yeah, I'm anxious. I'm, yeah, I, I want to see him. But I mean, I, what are those games going to tell you? It'll just give uh, Underwood an opportunity to play a lot of players and, and mix and see what he's got. But I don't know if you can determine, you know, against Kansas City, against Monmouth, against Lindenwood, against a and uh, I
0: don't know if that helps you when you play UCLA and Well, they've go, they, they got a lot of good games along they do. the way.
4: I mean, you know. But
0: you talk about what you learn.
4: But I'm only talking about the home games.
0: I know. But as far as the big picture, what do you learn from those kind of games? Those are the kind of games you're playing before you you play the other ones. You, you mm-hmm. play the The games you need to be more ready for is I don't know if you can. What I'm saying is, can you get ready to play UCLA by playing Monmouth? You know, the fact that it's a 40-minute game. Okay, yeah, you're running the guys up and down. Uh, But
4: uh, well, they've got four games before they play UCLA. They got a they got a uh, they got a exhibition game with Quincy, which I didn't mention, and then they got Eastern and Kansas City and Monmouth before they play in Vegas against UCLA, and then they'll play the winner there of uh, Baylor and Virginia. But uh, anyway, it's just my—I've—I've I've had this concern personally uh, a long time. I think it's unfair to the fans. You want them to buy season tickets, right. and then you give them six six games that aren't aren't, aren't really worthy. I mean, I—I'd say s- three is okay, but yeah. six is too many. I and, and that's just me talking.
0: Nine eighteen is the time. We'll take our first time out and talk some some more Illinois football. After this, stay with us. You're listening to Alan Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The Lani Pella 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Pellaofchampaign.com Phone lines are open. 217-356-9397 On Lani Pella, Saturday sports talk. More Illinois football talk coming up. We're going to hear from offensive line coach Bart Miller in a few minutes. But the high school football season... Only a couple of weeks plus away now, and we learned uh, this past week that uh, Fisher has decided to play just junior varsity games this year, and uh, Colin Likas reported uh, this morning in the uh, pages of the News Gazette that Urbana, who uh, had a little trouble last year and played a a junior varsity decision after playing an opening game, is weighing their options as well.
4: Yeah, Edmund Jones. Maybe uh,
0: not options, but situation.
4: Well, yeah, I think they're going to weigh what practice looks like, right. and maybe that first game against Centennial. Edmund Jones has stepped out, right? You know, he must know something. <laughs> I'm sure. And you remember last year, he was that was his first year as coach, and mm-hmm. and he they decided after one game to uh, drop this drop this uh, varsity sport and just play uh, uh, junior varsity, which they did for the season. But now they've named Curtis Blanton, uh, from Danville as is the uh, head coach, and it's going to be a it's going to be a decision that uh, they're going to weigh here in the next couple of weeks, and maybe during the, the practice time to determine if they've got enough players and good players enough to make it competitive, and then they got the tough game with Centennial, which is one of the better teams in the in the region this year, we think. Uh, so it's just uh, it's looking kind of dim over there, you know. Urbana just dropped baseball this last spring. I mean, I. I'm not sure what's going on. Their soccer is strong, but uh, everybody wants to play soccer, I guess. They want to play baseball and football.
0: Sounds like in that article that they might decide this coming week yeah, which they way could. they're going to go on that.
4: At any point, you know, once they once the guys they have the players out there and they determine what they have, uh, that would be too bad because that means all the teams on their schedule would be minus one game.
0: Right. Talk some Illinois football. Their offensive line coach is uh, Bart Miller. Had a chance to uh, catch up with him and talk about how his guys have been performing uh, in the uh, first week of fall camp.
5: Well, you can probably guess who, who's running with the ones right now. Guys like Paujo and Julian and and uh, Pill and and some of those guys that kind of finished spring. Isaiah Adams is up there and um, been very very impressed. You know Jordan Slaughter, Ty Chrysler, all those guys are, are are repping with the first group. Um, you know, Josh Cruz has had a, had a had a great camp so far. It's kind of kind of the way he finished spring ball, um, you've seen that carry over. So that's that's been fun to see him develop every day, get better and better. And then trying to uh, get other guys reps. And you know, guys like Josh Getsky and and, and some of the freshmen uh, um, and some of the new guys that just got in. I'm, I'm pleased with, you know, kind of where their foundation is now. Obviously, we got to get them better and continue to develop them. That's what we do. So. Um, you know, kinda of, kinda of the way it shaped out in spring, a lot of those guys are getting reps because um and so we're really not gonna make many depth changes until we can see guys get into a scrimmage situation and, and see how they respond when when, you know, we're running consistently. Um some, some, some extended team periods and, and some extended hitting and, and physicality up there. So um that's kinda where we are. We're repping a lot of different guys and uh, getting guys kind of seeing what they can do for us right now. I've got to get those first group ready to go. I've got to keep pushing Palcho, and, and uh, there's a little bit of kind of throw them into the fire and, and, and learn and kind of throw a bunch at them um, because the game is chaotic, right? And, and when you're out there, it's, it's very intense, and, and it, can, it can lead to panic if they're not composed. And so um, those guys got to learn how to slow things down, how to learn, take it step by step. Uh, focus on the details and, and, and really focus on their assignment, and then get better as, as the offense expands for them. Uh, and then we come back and, and, and do individual learning and do private teaching and things like that, and, and kind of overlap stuff that they need to continue to work. And then we do developmental periods at practice. Uh, they are having able to get some reps and inside drill and, and individual work and things like that. So um, it's kind of a twofold process, really. You know, and, and um, throw it at them, and then come back and, and fill in kind of the gaps.
0: That's Bart Miller. He's got some guys. We haven't always been able to say this in recent years about Illinois offensive linemen. He's got some guys that look like they belong in the Big Ten.
4: And Slaughter's got the right name, doesn't (laughs) he? Yeah, he does. (laughs)
0: But, you know, there's been times over the last 10 or 12 years that uh, when you see uh, the Wisconsin's come to town and teams like that and and you see the Illinois offensive line out there, you're going, oh, this may not be fun. Well, everybody's
4: over 6'5 and everybody's over 300. In this line, and, and and Pearl looks like he's going to be a solid left tackle, and uh, I think in in listening to uh he indicated that last year was a pretty tough year for him coming back from surgery, and and uh, now he seems to be, uh, he says, and and the coaches say that he's way ahead of where he was a year ago, and at, at that right tackle position.
0: And Mark Miller has some some mix and match kind of. Uh, possibilities with this group of guys well,
5: we've got some versatility um and i think that's the way we recruit that's the way we train so we cross train it's also the way some of our skill sets are developed right the way we do some more individual work um th- those those type of blocks those type of techniques they carry over to various positions based on the look that they're seeing right so um yeah we're, we're going to continue to work that versatility but uh, things are starting to cement themselves in, in certain positions as well right and uh uh, that's part of what this early part of camp is—is is to find out where we can fill in those gaps and where guys can maybe help us cross-train. So, um, and I'm kind of pleased with where we're where, the direction we're headed. We're nowhere near where we need to be. Um, never satisfied, but but uh, we're getting better each day, and, and for that, I'm pleased with the effort.
0: Offensive lines, like a lot of positions, and what's the optimum number of guys? You do you need a pair? For each position, a pair and a spare.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you need at least seven or eight. I yeah. mean that—that's what you really need, and then that—that'll—that'll that'll work. And and uh, I—I'm not sure that they have that, but uh, I think the the starting unit looks decent to me, but maybe not as good as last year because Kramer and Lowe are big time players, right? And they were here a long time and they played a long time, and you—you you do have some inexperience. You take Pilstrom. This is sixth year, but his first year playing center. And so um, how's that going to turn out?
0: That was eye assistant coach, offensive line coach, Bart Miller, talking uh, a day or two ago about his position. As you look, I dug out some other stats uh, that I came across um, this week about rebuilding programs in college football among the uh, Power Five teams since 2000. You want to guess which team has lost the most games? Mm-hmm. I, know who. I know who Kansas exactly.
4: <laughs> I know who's at 164 too.
0: Illinois is on the list, coincidentally tied with Indiana mm-hmm. at 164 losses since uh, 2000. Kansas is first at 181. Duke is second. This is college football, Vanderbilt third at 174. Illinois and Indiana tied there. At fourth at 164, and they open and they don't open Illinois season, but Indiana opens its season against Illinois. One of those teams going to lose.
4: You bet, and that's a big game for Illinois because it could mean an awful lot to get a win there and be and reach two and zero if they can beat Wyoming, which we expect in the opener. Uh, if you don't beat Wyoming, it turns everything south. I mean, it just you can see where you, there's something missing <laughs> because Wyoming is is rebuilding and in, in the true sense of the word. As much as anybody, any team I've seen.
0: The other teams on that list Colorado, Syracuse, Rutgers, Iowa State, and Arizona teams with the most losses in Power Five since 2000. The downside of that 164 number for Illinois and Indiana, that's an average of almost eight losses a year. Yeah. So that's a rebuilding program, a rebuilding situation that Mm -hmm. uh, Brett Bielma's. Dealing with
4: well, sure, and and the, the 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 thing is that last year, he his ability to bring back Hanson and Carney and and Adams and a lot of guys that could have gone and could have left, he he brought back about twenty guys, uh, in, and that were maybe uh, well as seniors at least, and. In doing so, I think he he wound up with a pretty solid team. Not a great team, but a lot of experienced athletes. It's less experienced this year because we've got some positions that have to be filled. Now, they may be filled by experienced people, but they weren't guys that started last year.
0: And a lot of fans, if you're thinking about uh, that first game coming up, Illinois football against Wyoming, uh, what are you going to wear? Well, how about a trip to game day spirit? You'll find uh, what you need there, two locations. And uh, throughout the summer, they've got a little promotion going on where you can uh, check out uh, the Fighting Illini merchandise there. And while you're there, check out their buy one, get one free t-shirt designs in their Nike section there. They also um, ask you to take advantage of their Thursday deals going on through the summer. 20% off sweatshirts and or buy one free, get 150% off on Illini hats every Thursday this summer. At the corner of Sixth and Green in Campus Town, shop them online as well. Game Day Spirit—that's where Fighting Illini fans shop. It's not too early to get to that orange and blue apparel for the upcoming sports seasons: football and basketball, and volleyball, and everything else. It is 9:30. We'll take a break here at the bottom of the hour, and have more for you on Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. Back after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I, fellow Saturday Sports Talk. Moving along until 11 o'clock here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Welcome in the studio, Michael Leroy from uh, the U of I College College of Law. Michael, how are you doing this morning? I'm well. Thanks for having me in. You're keeping busy. I can tell right these days
2: (laughs) busier than i thought i'd be this summer
0: how how have things changed over the last let's say year 12 13 months that's when we first started hearing about nil and that going into effect and um, how do you think the landscape has changed over the years
2: it's hard to keep track of all the changes and i uh i had been researching nil and i couldn't imagine the changes that have occurred i mean for example the the uh the collectives the so-called booster groups. I had no contemplation. I don't know if, if anybody saw that coming. And I think part of what we're seeing is the rapid disintegration of the NCAA and their, their ability to govern combined with the Supreme Court's um, seismic decision in Austin, which really, b- by nine-to-zero vote, um, threw a lot of cold water on the NCAA's idea of amateur competition.
4: Explain Alston, because we, we refer to this Frequently, and just you know, just to give everybody an idea, of what what Alston means.
2: Alston was a lawsuit by athletes seeking to get the same level of educational benefits as non-athletes. So it's really a a tiny sliver of the compensation element. It's not pay. Well, it,
4: how come they came to the number five thousand nine hundred eighty?
2: It was developed at the district court where expert witnesses were. Um, In behalf of the athletes, we're saying the difference in terms of what the restrictions are for athletes versus non-athletes. So we have roughly 500 athletes on campus here Mm -hmm. and roughly 56,000 other students. The difference in their eligibility for these awards is, uh, according to the expert witnesses, about $5,800.
4: Okay, but th- this doesn't mean that the university has to pay them. It does not mean. Just, it, you it, have an option there. It does not mean that.
2: And our university and many others have said, okay, let's go ahead and provide that in any event. I, I personally think that's a great idea because um, it's compensating students. But more practically, I mean, why should a, a football player be at a, a disadvantage for educational assistance relative to the 56,000 other students who are here on campus simply because he's an NCAA athlete. I mean that, and so this is, um, it was a lawsuit to challenge this as an unreasonable restraint. It's a monopoly, um, so the the Supreme Court said, the NCAA is a monopoly, that in itself is not problematical, but that its rules are overly restrictive. And so, but it opened, yeah, it's opened up a can of worms here.
4: Yeah, so I was going to say, this is the first step
2: toward what? Yeah, so I don't know exactly for what. Um, Brett Kavanaugh's concurrence Mm -hmm. openly invited plaintiff lawyers to sue again under the statute and go for unpaid wages under the Sherman Act, and I, philosophically I agree with what he's saying I, I don't like to see a Supreme Court justice getting in the mix like that personally I think that's for other people to figure out but Lauren there's a there's a lawsuit that doesn't get a lot of attention and uh, an Illinois football player is one of the lead plaintiffs on this his name is Tamir Oliver and basically it is NIL money is what these athletes, or former athletes, are going for. And the simple way to think about it is um, to think of an athlete such as Io. He's not in this, but I'm just using him. If you think about, he left for the NBA a year before NIL came around. Mm-hmm. How much money did he miss because of the NCAA's restrictions? So that's, and, uh, you know, that lawsuit is proceeding. These lawsuits, Lauren and Steve take, um, they can be dismissed early but this lawsuit that I'm talking about um, is four years into uh, three or four years in and it's got four or five more to go if the athletes keep moving forward they take a long time to resolve long time
0: but do you think that a case like that is going to be successful Uh, whose fault is it that NIL wasn't in existence when you were in college or and I left the year before I, I don't follow that totally i i get
2: your point i mean it it's fair to say that um you're asking for something that didn't exist right uh, and so there's a lot of uncertainty about that absolutely but uh, th- the flip side of that is um we had a different ruling called o'bannon that was the ucla basketball player it involved not nil but it involved money from video games and um so this lawsuit has a basis to go forward, and as you're indicating, there is a lot of uncertainty about the theory that you deserve compensation for a rule that never existed when you were an athlete.
4: Well, let's talk about the Johnson case because that's what you you were a friend of the court amicus, so I guess. Yes, uh, that's exactly. Brief right. on it. Yep. And uh, filed that, and uh, your purpose in doing that. Well, it grew out of my research. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've been looking at compensation for
2: NCAA athletes since 2012. So Mm -hmm. this is a 10 year enterprise for me. And um, I was aware of two previous attempts, uh, same lawsuit, one in a Chicago uh, federal appeals court, one in San Francisco. Both of them failed. Mm
4: -hmm. This was a third effort. What's the difference? Between them, well, why is this one maybe going to be successful where the other two fail? I didn't pay attention to this
2: case. Uh, fair question. I I thought this would fail too, mm-hmm. uh, but in November, John, Judge John Padova denied the NCAA's motion to dismiss it. Mm-hmm. I would have thought Judge Padova would dismiss it based on the other two cases. I believe he didn't dismiss it because of what the Supreme Court ruled in Alston. Mm-hmm. So Alston's a different issue, but. The the commonality is the NCAA's defense in Austin and in Johnson that we are providing student athletes an extracurricular activity. And courts are having no part of that anymore. They see it as a business, a highly commercialized business. So, and it doesn't mean Judge Padova will ultimately rule in favor of the student athletes. But he, at this point, is inclined to let the student athletes proceed with what's called discovery to see if they qualify as employees
4: under the federal minimum wage law. When when athletes of this w- – this is Drew Johnson uh, uh, make, uh, making this case. Uh, he's a, a former um, Vanderbilt – b- Are football. you talking about the Johnson case? Yes.
2: Yeah, this is um, – he's uh, b- b- a <laughs> – I get the V schools mixed up. This is a Villanova football player. Villanova. And his name is, he goes, his, he goes by Trey
4: Trey Johnson. Yeah, okay. I've, yeah, no, that's okay. Um, I'm getting it all mixed I get Vanderbilt and Villanova mixed up, too, very many I, times. I, I but in any case, uh, he it, it, his effort is for football players to be paid or all athletes to be paid.
2: He's the lead plaintiff. There are... Um, Oh, golly, um, 20 or more other plaintiffs that signed
4: on. And so in terms of- strat- I mean, it's all, is it all sports that we're talking about? Yes,
2: it's all sports. And not only that, it's Division One. So Villanova's a D1 school. He, there are Division II schools and Division Three schools. Sacred Heart is a defendant here. Now, I've never communicated with the Johnson legal team, but um, I've asked myself, like, why are you doing it that way? And- My inference is they believe that um, there is much more control that D1 schools exert over their athletes than D3 schools. They also, I believe, have um, a well-educated hunch that NCAA schools um, don't necessarily abide by their countable hours restrictions. And they're not trying to get NCAA schools in trouble. They're just saying, For purposes of federal labor law, a key element is how much time is controlled of an employee.
4: Workouts and everything, uh, travel, uh, everything.
2: Everything. And, And so let's assume that all the schools are complying with the internal regulations. That's immaterial to a wage it's immaterial. So I think they want to create a record where you can see clear differences between the small schools and the big schools. There are some people who will talk to me about this and say, uh, so you think all the 1100 schools should have employees for their student-athletes? My personal belief is no. I, I don't know where to draw the line. For me, the simple line to draw is the Power Five conference schools that have large media deals and, and really have year-round, essentially, year-round regulation of their athletes.
0: Could those two things coexist, being a paid athlete and NIL? Uh,
2: great question. Um, per, it could, to answer your question directly. I think that would be unwise and unmanageable. And I would just say the the NFL, because I look at professional sports as well, the NFL labor agreement um, allows for NIL deals Um the players who are involved in an NIL deal, their their deal gets, the their money gets thrown into a general revenue pot. So if Patrick Mahomes, he's done NIL deals where he wears a, a Kansas City Chiefs uniform, that money is not going directly to him. It's going into the pot to be split. The owners get 52%. The players get 48% that's distributed in salary cap money. So... That's an NIL concept, but the so quick story. You know, why is Tom Brady? Why does he have a fashion label? It gets him out of the sharing feature. It's his label. It's not Tampa Bay.
0: Gotcha. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think (laughs) nine forty-five. We're talking to Michael Leroy from the U of I Law School. If you have any questions along these lines of NIL or uh, player unions, I don't know if we're heading down that. road or not. We'll talk about that when we come back. Stay with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. More after this. <music> 217-356-9397 is the number for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. you'd like to join us with Lawrence Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Michael Leroy from the UI Law School is with us for another Ten minutes or so, if you'd like to jump in here. We're talking about some of the issues of college athletics these days. Previously, uh, before the break, we talked a little bit about uh, the NCAA. <laughs> Is it going to come crumbling down? Or, and would that be a good thing? I don't know. You, I guess you could debate that. But um, where do they stand in all of this? How do you think they come out of What's their the, counter the, the changing argument? times?
2: So their counter-argument is remarkably stuck in the past. Um, so uh, their their argument is that these are student-athletes that this is literally, in their brief, they say they are involved in extracurricular activities. Now, any close observer of Power Five football or basketball would know that's a distortion. I mean, it's not false. But but to say that it's an extracurricular activity, in my brief, they allow pictures now in briefs. I have a picture of the Duquesne intramural champions, men's championship team, and I compare that to a whiteout at uh, Penn State's football stadium. And the NCAA's position is it's the same thing. You know, the Duquesne intramural team and the football team at Penn State, they're the same. That's
4: nonsense. What about the women's soccer team? What about all those other sports?
2: Right. I mean, so it would be wonderful if the NCAA could figure this out for itself and for its member schools. And they, they haven't. Uh, and to have courts do it is who wants their business managed by a court? That's what it's coming to.
0: Let's go to the phones. We've got a caller. Blake, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, professor,
6: If if athletes become employees – then tuition benefits taxable workers comp
2: can we fire them if they don't perform regardless of their commitment for a scholarship all of that is true um there there are negative consequences for student athletes if they become employees and there are costs apart from paying a wage um so it's a very complicated issue um it's all true uh Having said that, you know, I was just reading this week, going back, because I've got a research paper that I'm trying to put out uh, in the next few weeks. And the article was about Larry Brown when he became the SMU basketball coach in 2011. And he told four of the five starters, um, fellas, you're never going to play another moment for me. Uh, We're going to honor your scholarship. Um, Those guys transferred. um, And they had to sit out a year, by the way. But my point is, there is a degree of firing student-athletes. Anyway, that's always going on. Sure. So, I mean, I'm sensitive to what you're saying, Blake, but it's happening to a degree. Uh, and by the way, it doesn't mean everybody's going to be fired. And uh, the other side of the coin is, look at how crazy the portal has become. So, you know, there are there are hundreds of athletes who are resigning from their school
4: already. Well, let's face it. Brad Underwood has let go a number of players since he's been here. He's added some, but he's also let a whole bunch go.
0: Blake, you got a, any other questions?
4: No, thank you very much. Thank yep. you.
0: Appreciate the call. You mentioned uh, collectives, yeah. fundraising collectives. Illinois has one called the Guardians. It seems like most schools have the. Is that a good thing, bad thing? How, how does that play in, into all this? Is it kind yeah. of adding to the wild, wild west?
2: It does add to the wild west. So the um, the... Essential ingredient for a league to be successful is parity. I mean, when, when we're at the start of a football season. Uh, in a healthy league, each team should have an equal opportunity to win a championship. Last year in the Super Bowl, Cincinnati came from basically the the cellar to the penthouse. Um, and with, with these collectives, uh, there's no regulation of them. There's no control. Well, and it's just
4: an extension of what they're already doing.
2: It. It is, but it <laughs> ma- it magnifies the inequality yeah. is what it does, yeah. and that's unhealthy for the sport. It's unhealthy for the league. I mean, to see Nick Saban whining about Texas A&M tells you everything you need to know about how destabilizing these collectives are.
0: So if football players, I'm just using football as an example, but if football players become employees, which makes them, I guess, on one hand, <laughs> a professional, Right, right. So do we start drafting college football players? Yes,
2: you could. Um, You could do that. By the way, so I I wrote a research article called How a Labor Dispute Would Help the NCAA. It's a counterintuitive argument, but if you look at the NFL, uh, everybody at this table, we remember how destabilizing unions were in the 1980s for Major League Baseball, Basketball, Football. Today... The sports are flourishing, the teams are worth billions of dollars, and one of the advantages of unionizing is you're free of antitrust restrictions, and you can impose salary caps. In the article, I argue that schools should embrace this and bargain hard with their athletes. You have bar- you have great bargaining power over your student athletes. It won't be a pretty picture when you tell them, what do you want, a scholarship or wages? Uh, we got a pool of money here. But, but what you could have, to address your question, you could also have a draft where schools that don't do well in a particular year, and in Illinois had, unfortunately, um, disappointing football seasons, we'd be drafting way ahead of Alabama in that pecking order. That would make for a healthier, I think, competitive environment for NCAA athletics.
4: It certainly would, but it'll never happen.
2: Well, unless that's correct, um, <laughs> unless a court backs them into the yeah. corner. Yeah, that's I right. mean if,
4: drafting would be wonderful but for Illinois because, you know, you don't have a chance to recruit against the, the top teams right now. I mean, it's it's it's. I see it every day. I mean, following recruiting, it's just four and five star players going to the same schools every year yeah. and every year and every year. And Illinois is getting three stars and happy with them. That's the uh, it, best they can do.
2: It's unfortunate. The rich get richer under the system.
4: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: But what's it going to look like in a couple of years? How different is it going to be in your mind?
2: I think about that quite a lot. We all do, I'm sure. Um, I, so I can't say definitively, but I, I do think we will get some level of professionalization of men's football uh, for sure. Uh, for sure. I mean, I think so. Men's basketball, I don't know how far down the Division One chain you go with that. Um, but that makes sense from a financial standpoint.
4: Does the amount of money that Illinois, for instance, is going to be getting, is that, is that a, a pretty much of a factor when the, when the judge sits down to see all this money's coming in and the players aren't getting any of it? So I revised my
2: brief um, when the NCAA, uh, when, when the Big Ten announced the addition of USC and UCLA. And intriguingly, the Third Circuit Court of Appeals extended the deadline. They don't tell you why, but the briefs were supposed to be in July 1st. I think it was June 30th this, this news broke. So I, I do think it makes a difference, um, and I, I, I think it will, I think it benefits the student, Trey Johnson's argument that this isn't extracurricular activity, this is a commercialized activity, and we are employees here.
0: Let's take another call for Michael Leroy. Eric, you're on the air with us. Go ahead.
2: You know, the thought of um, a
6: draft for players, though, uh, you were just mentioning, it, I, I can't see how that would work because you get someone, say, like Arch Manning, right, the number one kid in, in college right now going to Texas. He, he's drafted. He's forced to go to Illinois. He, he'd basically tell him to go fly a kite like John Elway did when he was picked by the Colts, you know what I mean, back in the 80s there.
2: I, I fully appreciate what you're saying. And, and then there's the issue of what are the academic standards. How do you – so I don't want to suggest that, oh, uh, it's easy to do. But I have studied the formation of unions from the 1960s, professional sports unions. And they, you know, Lauren said five minutes ago, that's impossible. And I get that. I totally get that. I can tell you the NBA Players Association uh, was formed when they had their first nationally televised basketball game. And the player said, we're not going to step out onto the floor until we're recognized as a union. Mm-hmm. That's how they got their change.
4: But these are high school people.
2: That, and <laughs> so that—that that is my thought. That's right. I mean, what is their bargaining power? If I can offer a counter perspective, you're absolutely right. They have people, okay? They have agents. They have – That's good So, point. I mean, you know, yeah. this, these are not naive kids anymore. They, they have better – representation than i probably have or you
0: anything else eric
5: oh uh, no the last thing i was just gonna say was it sounds like we're getting
3: pretty close to just blowing away the ncaa like structure and just going on alone I've, I've heard that argument a little bit a lot uh lately you know because we're getting to a point where what, what's the point of the ncaa just go and do your own thing detach from the universities
2: I think you're, I mean, my sense is that's true. I, you know, the SEC uh, commissioner has been vocal about saying what you're saying. And uh, there, there are athletic directors who say, you know, the NCAA's time has come. I mean, it it's just doesn't function well. You can't have the same governance structure for schools like Alabama, Illinois, and schools like Duquesne, or schools you couldn't even locate on a map. Is
0: Where? that a be careful what you wish for situation? I mean, if that's, if the NCAA is going, gone right. who's in charge
2: it's a great question uh, so I again I try to think about that so um, one way to think about it and it's not a solution is the um, the Olympic committees the national federations we have for sports they could be the governing authority uh, they are a governing authority and they do interact with the NCAA but one possibility is they could take over uh, sports like um, soccer and uh, swimming and track and field. That's a possibility. Uh, so I, but you know, if if people don't start thinking proactively about it, you're either going to have courts or the Congress or, st- or like California state legislature forced the whole NIL issue. They forced it on that's everybody. Right. And and so... Um, and, and they
4: tried to force payment on players too. That's And they're still after that. Mm-hmm. There's,
2: and when you get one state to do it, Oh, yeah. Everybody, I, I, I can assure you, Alabama will be the second state to do it.
0: Hey, Eric, thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Thank you. Guys. Michael Leroy, we appreciate your time. What do we miss Anything we, we didn't touch on there?
2: I, I enjoyed it. I think we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> Thank you, guys.
0: Appreciate it. As we uh, move towards the top of the hour, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, hour number one of Illini Pella Saturday sports talk is in the books. We'll... Come back with hour number two shortly and learn more about the Wyoming Cowboys, the first Illinois football opponent, three weeks from today at Memorial Stadium. Back after this.
2: My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard
4: Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's
2: your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then
4: guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390.
3: It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to hour number two of Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11. As Gene Honda said in the open there, the phone line is open, 217 356 Nine, three, nine seven. Three weeks from today we'll be doing uh, this program on game day as the alumni football season will open on August the 27th against the Cowboys of the University of Wyoming going to learn more about the uh, Cowboys right now with their longtime radio analyst Kevin McKinney who is on the line with us good morning Kevin how are you
6: I'm just a plus good morning to you guys
0: how's the weather out there in uh, Laramie Wyoming
6: Well, it's uh, gorgeous. not a cloud in the sky. Unfortunately, it's a little warm for for us. At 7,200 feet, it doesn't get to the 90s very often. And it's been uh, 89 and 90 over the last few days. So I think, like a lot of places in the country, very, very hot and unseasonably hot for us.
0: Well, as you may know, in the Midwest, in late (laughs) August... It's pretty hot and humid. I don't know how a team coming from uh, 7,800 uh, feet uh, prepares for that kind of atmosphere. You got any tips on on how that gets done?
6: Uh, well, I would say hydrate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hydrate because, uh, no, we can't duplicate that in any way. And, uh, and you know, th- these kids haven't been in that weather to play uh, for Wyoming. Some of them are from very humid places, of course, but uh, as a team – this will be uh, you know, as hot as uh, any place we play in terms of the humidity and the heat. We play in Vegas, and it gets pretty hot there, but it's pretty dry. So uh, that will be something you have to deal with, and I guarantee you be, uh, the training staff will be uh, coming up with all kinds of hydration-type plans uh, for the game.
0: Kevin, I want to talk about uh, this year's edition of the Cowboys in just a moment, but uh, give us a little history of uh, your history with uh, the University of Wyoming.
6: Well, I uh, went to school here. I'm from Cheyenne, which is uh, 45 miles to the east of of Laramie. And so I went to the school here. I worked in the media relations office. Uh, It was sports information back in those days. And and so I started in 1967, and I'm still here. I mean, (laughs) uh, I I never did go anyplace else. So uh, I'm kind of the old gray-beard historian around here, which – I I guess I don't mind but it's not it's not a great way to be I suppose but anyway I have uh, got the the Cowboys and Brown and Gold deep in my uh in my heart and, and so uh I actually I I retired from the athletic department uh, a year ago now and uh just do radio for football and basketball. I do a commentary and uh, a couple other things but I'm out of the day to day at the university, uh, which uh, was a hard adjustment for me after those years. I, I was here 54 years as an employee. So um, it, it's uh, been kind of an unusual transition, but I'm, I'm getting into it now and certainly really looking forward to the football season.
0: Speaking of uh, gray-beard historians, here's Lauren Tate. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay. Well, I got you by
6: one year. I don't year. know if you're <laughs> – you don't have any more gray than I do, Laura.
4: <laughs> well, I I enrolled at the university in nineteen forty nine, so <laughs> <was> that that? <laughs> so I've been here o- around here a while. But I've <laughs> here and gone back and whatever. But uh, oh, let's yeah. let's talk about this Wyoming football team because you've had a lot of de- uh, uh, transfers in in a, I, ten. I see ten transfers at least, and I know you picked up some. But boy, uh, when you lose quarterbacks and Valaday and, and linebackers like, what was that, Muma, is that his name, Chad Muma? Yeah. Boy, yeah. you lost some really good players.
6: Yeah, we did. you know I, It's so funny, Lauren, because last year uh, at this time, we really thought Wyoming was going to have a great season, and, and uh, uh, we had a lot of guys coming back, and uh, as you mentioned, Valaday, the running back, uh, Chad Muma, uh, really one of our greatest linebackers ever, and so uh, we lost eight guys to the portal, and then uh, four guys got uh, went to the pros. Muma got drafted, but uh, we lost a bunch of guys, and, and uh, uh, that team did not perform as as what everybody expected. Uh, we really thought that we'd, we'd uh, you know battle for the conference championship. Didn't do that. Had a lot of inconsistency at quarterback, which, as we all know, is is uh, really tough on a football team. But I ended up with a, a winning record and won a bowl game. But uh, all those guys are gone. And uh, believe it or not, this team has just three seniors uh, on the entire roster. its uh, I don't think I've ever been around any uh, of our teams that, that had that few seniors. Uh, there's like uh, 54 uh, redshirt freshmen and true freshmen on this team. So, uh we really don't know what's going to happen actually uh, there's uh, there are some uh, returning guys in the offensive line the defensive line uh and our running backs but other than that this is a team that's going to be relatively new uh, a lot of kids are going to be seeing some of their first collegiate action at uh, at Illinois so um i think we think we could be good but uh we're not going to be able to tell until we get going and, you know, some years you think you're going to be really good and you're not. Some years you're not sure about it, and you do uh, end up having a good year. So always hard to say with collegiate kids, but uh, we're looking forward to getting going.
4: What do you think's behind uh, the movement? Uh, I mean, everybody's having a lot of trans. I guess 10, 10 or 8 or 10 transfers is not that many, really, uh, when everybody's losing players that way. But there, this is, looks like it's in the extreme.
6: It it is just the the new landscape. I, I mean, uh, we were like uh, the the fourth uh, school in in the Mountain West uh, in terms of ranking on how many kids we lost.
4: Is that right? Uh,
6: to the portal, so uh, you know Nevada lost like thirteen, and so it, you'd go on and on with that. But I think at our level, okay, at, at this uh, group of five level, uh, most programs are going to uh are going to feel that and uh you know it's tough on places like uh, wyoming because we would call ourselves a developmental uh school where we bring in kids that aren't uh you know five-star guys or four-star guys but they're guys that you have to look in your crystal ball and feel like uh they could be good and then by the time they're juniors and seniors they do turn out to be good and they they uh, really uh, helped the program but unfortunately with this uh, the the new situation uh if a kid starts showing you know even freshman or sophomore year um they're going to believe they can play at a higher level and and they're going to go to the portal and as we know uh, there's what 4000 kids in the portal and many of those guys aren't going to go anywhere so you know it's it's really a, a crapshoot for them, but they all believe that they can play in the NFL and they all believe they can play for Alabama. So more power to them on that. But we're not able to develop those kids into cowboys, uh, successful cowboys as they're uh, as they grow older in the program. Now, uh, a guy like Muma, who is from Wyoming, he's going to play at Wyoming, and it's going to be hard to to uh, take him out of the program, but. You know, we get a lot of kids from California. We get kids from Texas and, you know, warm-weather places. And if they have an opportunity to go to another warm-weather place and, and, and maybe a P5 school, uh, they're going to take that opportunity or at least get in the portal and, and, and see if they can have that opportunity. So it's kind of tough on us, and uh, we don't know how that's going to play out over the years, whether kids will uh, see how many kids are languishing in the, in the portal and uh, maybe just end up being happy where they are, or they're just going to keep moving. So a lot of movement right now, and uh, we're just going to have to deal with it. And the only way you deal with it, guys, is you get in the portal and get some guys uh, for for your program, and that's what Wyoming ended up doing.
0: Talking to uh, Kevin McKinney from the uh, Wyoming radio broadcast team. Tell us more, a little bit about uh, the head coach, Craig Bull. This will be season number nine for him, and... He's gotten the Cowboys into about, what four bowl games over the years?
6: Yeah, you know he uh, Craig is uh, the number one, uh, and this is overused, but he's a really good fit for Wyoming. He he's uh, uh, he was at uh, went to school at Nebraska. He was the head coach at North Dakota State uh, and really got that program going to where it is these days. And uh, you know he he really likes the lifestyle of Wyoming. He likes the people of Wyoming. Uh he, he really uh, is a very popular guy here, and, and he's done a good job w- with the program. Uh, we were in dire straits, which you always are when you make a coaching change, when he came here. And uh, he's really brought this program along and, and brought it to uh, uh, you know, a place where everybody's really proud of it. And we can always win more games, but it's a very solid program. His teams uh, play v- very uh, physical, uh, tough football, which is what Wyoming people love. You know, they're individual types. A lot of them ranchers and, and uh, you know, people that are outdoors people. And so they really enjoy the style of play. Um, he he brought uh, um, a, 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 a solid defensive uh, scheme, and, and he loves to run the football, I suppose, much like Illinois does. But he uh, this is a run first, pass second offense. Um, uh, it's, uh, physical. He likes to, you know, really have a, a physical offensive line and, and, uh, we've, we've done well and, and, uh, he's a popular guy here. Uh, I suppose if he wanted to run for governor, he'd probably have a good shot at it. So, um, you know, he's just, uh, kind of what Wyoming needs. Uh, he knows how to recruit to, uh, this level and to this type of program. And, and, uh, uh, you know, just one of those guys that uh, uh, comes along that's uh, the perfect fit for your program.
0: We've got one of those guys sitting in the studio with us that uh, would like to say hi to you. He came in. He said, uh, let me set the stage here. He's a longtime employee of the University of Illinois, former Illinois football equipment manager. But he comes in this morning with a Wyoming <laughs> golf shirt on. <laughs>
6: that a baby?
0: His name is Andy Dixon. You guys go way back. Andy, say hi to Kevin. Oh, yeah. Good morning, yeah.
1: Kevin. Andy,
6: good morning. Great, are, just, uh, great to hear from you.
1: How are you doing?
6: <laughs> I'm doing just uh, terrific. Uh, 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 Andy's one of those guys that uh, you know he he is a Wyoming cowboy through and through. He he had a, a great career career at Wyoming. We weren't great in those days, Andy, but you you were uh, a great part of of a Wyoming tradition, and uh, uh, always enjoy hearing from you. Always look forward to seeing you.
1: Kevin, we had a we had a uh, we had a lot of talent on some of those teams, but yeah. uh, things just didn't happen to go right for the four years that I played. But my wife and I, we just we loved it so much out there. We've gone back almost every year for the yeah. last twenty five years. It seemed like when I was working, Illinois always had a had an open date in September, and uh, we would go back and hopefully Wyoming was at home that weekend. But uh, between the the climate you know other than the golf season golf season out there is usually the end of may to the first of september <laughs> but uh <laughs> the scenery and and primarily the people people such as yourself that have been there forever there's a reason for that so uh we just we we enjoyed it out there and it's awfully good to hear from you again
6: yeah and i, I we saw each other was that last summer
1: uh or, yeah we, i'm trying you
6: to you were with uh those guys I thought that was We had
1: a we have uh we have a bunch of guys coming back almost every year. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of what game it was last year. Uh mid- it, it was, was in October. A,
6: it was a, yeah. It was one of the games, yeah. 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 Well, it's always good to see those guys. I know every program uh has this kind of thing, but uh guys like to come back to Wyoming and and they like to uh uh see the old places and uh, the Buckhorn and other, <laughs> all those other places that we all spend a lot of time in. And, uh, you know, I I love that. That's what uh, college athletics is all about, because it it just continues the tradition and and, and strengthens the tradition, really. And and that's what you guys have done. And, you know, Andy, we did have a lot of good players then. And, and, uh, you know, it didn't work out. Uh, Fritz Schirmer, of course, was the the head football coach, who was a great defensive coach, as we all know. But uh, for whatever reason, it didn't gel like it should. But Wyoming had a lot of talented guys at that time, including you. And uh, it, it was kind of a mystery that we didn't do, do better than we did.
1: Well, the, my senior year, we, our season was 2-9. and nine, But the next year, they win the conference. And uh, yeah. the only difference between those two seasons, other than, other than a few of us were gone, although I was a grad assistant on that team, yeah. Uh yeah, I think we won five conference games by five points. One, <laughs> two, three, four. I mean it was, That'll it, was do it. it was just amazing. It was that, one of those years. Yeah. 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 A few I, a break you know, here a break here or there in seventy five, we would have been right there too. So
6: I know. You know, Fred Akers came in at, at that time and uh he brought the wishbone as you recall. And yeah. uh, that was that was a, a pretty uh pretty big change for Wyoming. And uh, he ended up being successful with it and went to Texas and, you know, had a a heck
0: of a career there.
1: Yeah, having a guy named Earl Campbell uh, did wonders. (laughs) Yeah, that helped. Did wonders for Fred's first year down there. (laughs) So,
0: so Kevin, how did uh, Andy Dixon compare to Earl Campbell (laughs) since Uh, since he brought it up? Tell us about Andy the player.
6: (laughs) Well, Andy was uh, a a perfect Wyoming guy. He was a very tough guy. Uh, He ran hard. Uh, he was a, a heck of a running back for the Cowboys. But I think even more than that, he was a heck of a teammate. And, and that's uh, so very important. Uh, very popular guy uh, with the, the football team. Very popular guy with all of us around the program. And, uh, you know, uh, one of those careers that you look back and be very proud of.
0: So, Andy, are you hearing from a lot of uh, your former teammates in oh, anticipation yeah. of uh, this ball game coming up three weeks from today.
1: Well, let me let me put it this way, Steve. Every because of my athletic um, working in athletics for the last thirty years prior to my retirement, I've always pretty much uh, been in charge of getting tickets right. for uh, <laughs> returnees. Uh, last year in Laramie, we we only got twenty four tickets for returning people and their families. This year, I had to get forty. Uh, <laughs> I started with ten rooms at a local hotel. I had to up that to f- uh, five more for a total of fifteen, and then I had to get another five. So we've got <laughs> twenty rooms at one of the local hotels. Uh, we got forty tickets, so we're going to have a pretty good following in that uh, in that southeast corner of the uh, of Memorial Stadium.
0: And these people are coming from all they're, over. Right? They're
1: coming from California, New York. Uh, almost got really. Almost got one of the Seymour brothers. Uh, Jim played at Notre Dame, and Paul played at Michigan. Well, I played with Mark Seymour. He lives in uh, Maui, and he was almost coming, but uh, cho- Maui's chose, a long way. <laughs> chose not to make the trip. So, uh, see
0: Maui, Champagne, or Yeah,
1: it's a toss-up. So, <laughs> but anyway, we're you we're know, we're going to be well represented uh, from coast to coast.
6: And, and as you know, Andy, uh, Wyoming people travel really well, so there's going to be a lot of brown and gold going to the game it's it's uh always exciting for uh us for cowboy fans to go to a, a place like uh, illinois we've been all over the place through, through the years but to go to a big 10 school to open the season is a big deal here and and people are really excited about that so uh, there'll be a lot of wyoming people there as as there always are they they do a really good job of traveling
0: they do they do this is the first meeting between Illinois and Wyoming on the football field. What about Wyoming's history against the Big Ten? Do they do they often play Big Ten teams? One and nineteen. Uh, is that right?
4: Yeah, one out yeah, one yeah. out of twenty.
6: Yeah, we, we have done very well. Beat, beat we, Wisconsin. You know, we beat Wisconsin uh, one year at Madison, but so we played Ohio State and Michigan State uh, and and uh, Iowa. Um, so we we played some really really good big 10 schools and uh we we really enjoy that because they've been great hosts for us not not on the field but being there and and uh you know having an opportunity to to uh just see how how that that great conference does things is is really always uh not only uh impressive but it's enlightening to us so we we like these uh this is the first time we've started the season on the road uh, in a number of years. We're usually playing a home game to open the season, like everybody would like to do. But uh, it's, it's going to be uh, a real exciting for for the kids. It's going to be exciting for the fan base to uh, to go to Illinois and, and to play for the first time ever uh, and, and uh, looking forward to it.
4: Yeah, week zero, you're going to have more people watching than you would normally have.
6: Yeah, no kidding. That's uh, You know, you start a little earlier, but I, I think it's really a, a positive thing for a program to get in that week zero.
0: Here's a $10,000 question for Andy Dixon. So you're from Champaign. You played <laughs> your college football in Wyoming. You worked for the University of Illinois for 30-plus years. <laughs> It's what's coming, Andy? What's your game day attire going to look like? You got a, you got one of those shirts. And you're, that's gonna half and set, half? you're gonna
4: be sitting with a bunch of Wyoming people too. I
1: actually thought about buying those bib overalls, <laughs> you know, the, the brown and gold and orange and blue, and sewing them together. Yeah. But <laughs> I've, I've lost access to my sewing privileges over at the stadium. So I'm yeah. going as much as I love Illinois and as much as I uh, enjoy uh, working, uh, being around Josh Whitman. I I'm, I'm going to uh go pokes. Oh, okay, go <laughs> <gotta> pokes. <laughs> Cow folks.
4: You got to go. You got to
6: go with the the, the, uh, the team that you played for. Absolutely. Hey, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we know where your heart is the most of the time and that's what well, well, awesome. I got to ask Andy,
4: you Andy, know, you you were primarily fullback, is that right? Uh, in yeah. the Wishbone when
1: when Fred came, we had halfbacks. Okay. And even yeah. at Wyoming. Halfback. Uh my yeah. first 3 years we, they were called a tailback. We had a fullback uh, so I, to answer your question, no, T- we had a fullback who came in with me in '72, mm-hmm. who ended up being a first-round draft choice of the Detroit Lions, okay. a guy named Lawrence Gaines. So I didn't get to see much fullback. Okay,
4: I was <laughs> you know, more of a, we,
1: uh, I was more of a outside guy.
4: Okay,
6: he was our tailback, and uh, Lawrence uh, turned out to be quite a player, and, and certainly <laughs> as Andy said, an outstanding Detroit Lion. We call him Lawrence Freight Train Gaines. <laughs> Because he what? What he weighed? Maybe two forty? Yeah. Uh,
1: Lawrence was a Lawrence was very. Uh, he he'd be a standard running back now, but he ran about he was about six two two forty, and ran about 4'5", four or five forty. So I mean Ooh. he he yeah. was a pretty strong kid.
6: Yeah, and in that day and time, he was a big guy in, yeah. in the backfield, no doubt.
0: Hey, Kevin, we appreciate your time uh, this morning. Good to catch up with you. Look forward to seeing you here in a couple of weeks, three weeks from today. But uh, thanks for visiting with us.
6: Well, it's nice talking to you guys. We are looking very forward to it, and Andy will look forward to seeing you as always.
0: Can't wait to see you, Kev. That's Kevin McKinney from the uh, Wyoming Radio Network. We'll take a break. We'll continue talking with uh, Andy Dixon here a little bit, and we'll keep the phone lines open too with an open line. If you've been waiting to get in, you can do it now. We're back with more after this. 10.25 10.25 25 is the time. The one I follow on Saturday Sports Talk is the show. Visiting with Andy Dixon. You high school football fans in Champaign will remember number 22 running through opposing defensive lines and secondaries, or number 33 in Wyoming. Now, my next question is we know how you're going to be three weeks from today and who you're going to be rooting for and sitting with, but how does a kid from Champagne end up in uh, Laramie, Wyoming?
1: I guess I was just lucky.
0: Did you <laughs> like? I mean, did you like the mountains, or did you have any previous experience with that part of the country?
1: No, uh, I'd never been out of Champagne uh, before. But uh, I was recruited. Uh, one of my recruiting trips was to Laramie, and uh, it was in March, as I remember. And when I got out there, I, hell, I'd never seen a mountain. I'd, I'd seen a few <laughs> hills uh, over on at Savoy uh, Golf Course, but uh, <laughs> those, out, those those are bumps. <laughs> got out there, and it was just. First of all, it was just beautiful territory. It's surrounded by uh, mountains on three sides. Uh, you can see the Colorado Rockies from uh, Laramie, and uh, and the people out there were just terrific. Uh, there was a coach on the coaching staff named John Easterbrook who. Went to Champaign High School. Uh, John
4: Easterbrook was on that staff? Yeah. yeah. Quarterback coach? Uh Uh-huh. Offensive coordinator. I'll be darned.
1: Yeah, and John John and I kind of hit it off real well. In fact, uh, a year later, uh, after I uh, was married and uh, Cheryl moved out there with me, uh, we actually babysat John's kids, uh, John Jr., Jed, and uh, Amy. Uh, John works for PGA America. Jed is with Field Turf and Amy was a Miss Wyoming uh back a few years ago. So uh anyway, uh John uh I knew I had somebody out there that uh, knew of me or I knew and between the between the uh between the uh the way it looked talking with some of the players, I just said this is the place for me.
0: I believe you told me once that you also uh, made a recruiting trip to fort collins colorado state and had you not gone to wyoming you might have been there
1: well i say that very quietly because even though fort collins is a beautiful town they've got a terrific program there they are they're like uh they're like champagne urbana they're like uh illinois and michigan they are bitter rivalries how close are they uh 63 miles is that right yeah in fact the, the week of the the, the the trophy they play for is the boot, the bronze boot. It's a uh, a bronzed boot from a, a service person and they actually run a football from Fort Collins to Laramie or Laramie to Fort Collins the week of the game. The ROTC members of both schools take off running and they meet uh, about halfway and they pass off the football. So uh, it's a very heated uh, rivalry game but it's a beautiful campus. Uh, they're about a they're about 30 days ahead of Laramie in the growing season, so you can get on the golf course a little sooner. <laughs> and uh, Really? Just
0: in, the, in that that amount of yeah, distance, right? Yeah. Well, you're,
4: La- you're right next to the mountains. I mean, how much of Wyoming is, is mountainous? Well, they... I mean, there's only the, seven six 600,000 people in the whole state.
1: Yeah, the, when I was there, I think there was more people in Peoria than there were in the whole state. The, the main part of the, the, uh, the snow caps are in the western edge of Wyoming, uh, Tetons. Uh, the Rocky Mountains, but we're up at 7,200 feet, and we have, uh, they're about 8,600 feet to our east. Just to our west are uh, 12,000 snow-capped year-round, and to the south is the Colorado Rockies. Most of those or some of those are at 14,000. So uh, we're right, we're up there elevation-wise.
0: Did you ever consider retiring out there
1: absolutely the only reason we left uh, my wife's family is all still here in Champaign mm-hmm. and my family is still here from champagne we lived out once i got out of school we moved to cheyenne as kevin said it was 45 miles to the east and worked there for three years and uh, we've honestly we've we would have only continued to come back for christmas if uh if our families uh, had not been here right It was that we just enjoyed it that much.
4: I'm going to ask you a really tough question because you were at the at the university thirty years at at Uh, U U of I, and you were inside the football office the whole time as equipment manager, and you dealt with the players, you dealt with the coaches. What's been the problem? What do you do? If you if you were going to write a book, could you analyze why Illinois hasn't been more successful over time?
1: Well. Uh, I was surprised to see. Uh, I've been gone a number of years, but looking back, I I've, I didn't realize our records were so poor for so long. You have to have you have to have talent to compete against so many of the Big Ten schools, uh, almost everyone. But in order to get the talent, you've got to have the success. And we, we continue, uh, in, in my opinion, we continue to recruit the kids who. Uh, who have turned down Western Illinois and yeah. and Kentucky State? Still doing that exactly. And and although some of those, most of those kids are very good athletes, they're not at the caliber to compete day in and day out against the Big Ten schools. Speed element. It's a big speed element. Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, yeah, we we can get the three hundred and ten, three hundred twenty pound lineman, but if they go there and the 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 person they're blocking's already by them, you know that's. But anyway, it's it's hard. It's it's a terribly hard job to uh, to recruit those kind of kids to compete against the Big Ten level uh, on on a steady basis. I, I think Coach Bielma is is on the right track. He got back in the Illinois high schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, some years, Illinois athletics, uh, uh, the high schools have terrific athletes. It, it seems like Notre Dame and Michigan and Ohio State come in to. Illinois and Iowa come into Illinois year in and year out and get a, you know two or three kids. So they're there. We just need them to get them to come down south.
0: Talking to Andy Dixon. Speaking of writing a book. I've always told over the years, Rod Cardinal, he ought to write a book. But I, can, mm-hmm. I think I could probably say it. And then Rod says, somebody needs to pay me not to write a book. <laughs> 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 but I always thought that a guy like you, a football equipment manager, could probably uh, come up with some stories, too. Oh,
1: I, I got really excited a few years ago when I was working. A guy named Tom McNamara, bless his heart, he, he's passed away now. He was over in Decatur. He had uh, worked with a friend of mine to write a, a book who was in the baseball business, Major League Baseball. And I got so excited after talking with Tom. He was going to help me with it um, back uh, when I didn't have so much day-to-day with football. So I had a little bit of extra time. But I spent three days typing out one-line statements uh, that would bring up a story. Mm -hmm. I typed 13 pages of these stories that would easily have filled a book, uh, both good and bad. I, I if if it had, I just figured that nobody, other than maybe in Champagne, maybe in the state of Illinois, nobody would really be that interested in the in the thoughts of an equipment manager. But uh, you never know. I I thought about it at one time, but never did it.
0: Why don't you think about one or two of those stories, and we'll take a break <laughs> and come back and see if we can get into one of those. <laughs> We're talking to Andy Dixon. Stay with us on Landai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Back with more after this. 1035 I Peller Saturday Sports Talk Phone line is open 217-356-9397 Andy Dixon is visiting with us Former Wyoming Cowboy Former Equipment Manager At uh, the University of Illinois I've Worked with about as many football coaches as I have We came to came to uh, become associated with the U of I about the same time, back in 1981. And we were reminiscing on this show, was it was just last week, I guess, Lauren, about uh, the 80s and uh, the 80s belonging to the the Illini. Those were some fun times, weren't they, Andy? And
4: uh, yeah, it was. We we had a good time back So you then. got here about the same time as Mike White, huh? Yeah, Mike,
1: Mike, I believe, started in the fall of 1980, and I started in July of 1981.
0: Mm-hmm. Got a phone caller. Again, that phone line is open. Let's go to Philip. You're on the air. Did we lose him? Good morning. There you go.
1: Hey, Andy, I got a question.
6: Since you are a former Champaign Central alum, do you have any opinion or wish concerning um, returning varsity football to McKinley Field? Uh,
1: Yes, I do. uh, Of course, I only played there uh, as an eighth and ninth grader and uh, as a sophomore uh, when I was at Central. And then from my junior and senior year, we played out at Centennial, uh, out at Unit 4. Uh, I live in that neighborhood. Um, I live a, about four blocks from McKinley Field, and I've I proudly got a sign in my front yard for them to play. Uh, I understand the people that don't want it to happen because of what the unit, what the school district or the school board promised them, but uh, I think the kids, at least in this situation, where a day game. Uh, a one game to to see how it works. If it doesn't work, then uh, it doesn't work. But I, I understand both sides of the the ball, but uh, I'm in favor of it myself.
0: Okay, we appreciate that uh, question. Good call there. Football coaches, not only head coaches, but you deal with all the, the coaches and the assistants and all the players as well. But I'm guessing you had to deal with, put up with, or whatever the word might be, with a whole different uh, bunch of Varying personalities in that job, right?
1: It yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the uh it it seems like most of the assistant coaches go exactly how the head coach goes, but uh while I was here I, di- I worked with five head coaches and and uh obviously uh,
4: every one of them was just a little bit different.
0: And wanting different things and <laughs> in certain order and
4: how how was Mike quite different? I mean he was more successful. Mike,
1: uh, Mike could have sold ice to the Eskimos. He, uh, he was quite the salesman, a terrific football coach. Um, but Mike was, uh, Mike knew how to, to, as most coaches do, Mike could get the best out of what you got. He was a terrific recruiter. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Mike got the athletes. Mike got the athletes that, that the, uh, the top teams in the country wanted to get here. Uh, uh, He just did a terrific job.
4: Yeah, he's a salesman.
0: I used to produce his TV show, and he was one of those guys. He said, Steve, just tell me where to sit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, ask me that first question if you like, and then we're we're rolling. (laughs) And then John McEvitt came in totally different.
1: John was different than Mike. Uh, uh, John knew exactly what he wanted. Uh, The the five years that he was here, he told me, as I remember, he told me uh, how he wanted things done. Uh, from the very, you know, in the first week.
0: Did you ever get fired? Have I? Have you ever had a coach say you Yes. I mean, but but you really weren't. Uh,
1: he, I, yes, the <laughs> entire equipment staff was fired by Mike <laughs> out at the Rose Bowl in 83. Oh. And, uh, of course, I'd only been Is there... Is that t-
0: when we got lost in the bus ride? Uh, remember no, that?
1: no, this had to do with... Uh, this had to do uh, Mike's uh, assistant AD, a guy named Ed Schwartz. Yeah. So it was in... <laughs> we all know Eddie was in charge of making sure all the, the fields and, and the video towers were all set in place prior to our first practice. Well, Ed had done due diligence and sent diagram. Of course, he had to fax things out back in those days. Uh, due diligence of where to put the video tower, which way he wanted the fields going, uh, and all the, all the details. Well, when we get there, towers were totally different places. Fields were going the opposite direction. It was raining. And when Mike came unglued, he <laughs> talked to the guy who was supposed to do all of this. And his response was, Well, Bo and Woody liked it this way. <laughs> well, that after was the that. Wrong thing to say. <laughs> and the final straw, the final straw was, was uh, one of the staff's kids came in who was there to watch practice. There was a basketball court outside the locker room at the facility that we were working at. And he wanted to shoot some hoops. I mean, the kid was like seven or eight years old. And it was actually Coach White's son, Matt. I hope you're listening to Matt. And uh, he came in and asked if he could have a basketball. Of course, we didn't have any, so I asked the attending uh, equipment guy, I said, can we borrow a basketball for about a half hour? And the guy said no. (laughs) So what does Matt do? Matt goes and screams at his dad, they won't give me a basketball. Well, Mike came in and fired Marion Brownfield, who'd been here 30-some years, (laughs) fired Andy, and fired a guy named Richard who, uh, Brownie, I mean, that was his career. He'd, he'd been there a long time. I'd only been there two years. I figured I could get another job. Well, that night we had the team dinner, and he came in and told us he was only kidding. But uh, <laughs> you could just see Brownie just...
0: <sighs> so you guys took it seriously. Wait,
1: absolutely. Wait a
4: minute. Tab Bennett didn't get fired?
1: Uh, I'm sure he did a number of times, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I can't swear to how many times.
0: I can't imagine the stories you could come up with on, on just the logistics of traveling uh, with a football team especially
1: well the 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 one I've told numerous times and it's it's the first one that always comes to my mind is we were playing uh, USC a day game surprisingly normally we played them at night but we were flying out and uh, about halfway in the fly we're somewhere over Colorado that uh, Mike came back and he said did you get the shoe And I looked at him, and I had no idea what he was talking about. And I I said, I'm sorry, Coach. I'm not sure what you – he said the kicking shoe for – I won't say the player's name. It was a wide receiver. And back then, uh, they used to have uh, the the kickers that went straight on, not the soccer-style kickers, Mm -hmm. but the straight on. They had what's called a square toe. Right. Mm -hmm. And evidently, there was supposed to be an assistant coach tell me to go find a, a size 11 square toe because one of our wide receivers was uh, messing around before practice one day and he was kicking off pretty good. And Mike saw it and he thought, hey, if he's doing it like this with a regular shoe, how what if what could he do with a square toe? So halfway into the flight, I had to figure out landing in LA. I had to go figure out where to get a square toe. Now these oh, shoes man. these shoes are not your everyday can't
0: walk into a shoe store.
1: <laughs> so when I landed, I called a buddy of mine at Cal State Fullerton. <clears throat> where actually where neil stoner uh, came from and i asked for his suggestion where to find a square toe and he said there's only one place in la that i could tell you and he gave me the name of the store of course it was in east central la la had to go rent a car had to find a map how to get to there and by golly they had one and so i drove back thinking you know all's right in the world i found the shoe we're gonna really uh we're gonna beat usc well uh the next day, the I gave the shoe to Mike. He gave it to the, the kicker, the, the r- wide receiver, to put it on. He kicked twice, shanked him both times, and he said, get the shoe off. <laughs> and I, it was just one of those things that I was happy to be able to to, to uh, get the job done, but it sure was a lot of work didn't to, wa- to watch him shank two balls. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and that probably somehow came back to being your fault, right? <laughs> uh, well,
1: Mike didn't let me have it on on that one, but... I uh, stayed away from him, <laughs>
0: but just the uh, logistics of all the all this stuff that, and it's even more so now, I'm sure, yeah. of all the stuff that goes on the van ahead of the the, the flight, and uh, especially for a trip that far.
1: Yeah, we, when when I started, we used a 12 foot step van. Uh, we had a, about two or three trunks, we had two or three laundry carts, and of course, all the travel bags. Uh, In the early in the late 19 uh, in the 90s we ended up with a semi of course we what we did was it really helped out we had so much more room instead of carrying two bags at a time uh, from the truck to the locker room we bought laundry carts and put all the bags on wheels so it was so much easier transporting them Uh, and and we could take a lot more equipment The, the trainers had more equipment the video people had more equipment the negative thing about a semi is you can't always get real close to the locker room. Uh, I remember it in uh in the late 80s we played at North Carolina and we had to park a block away from the locker room, unload the semi into a smaller vehicle and then drive that smaller vehicle up to the locker room. I think we made seven or eight trips to uh to get everything into the locker room and then again post game, especially that game we lost, uh after a, after a game we had to do the same thing in reverse. So Semis aren't always uh, the most accessible, but uh, it seems like nowadays everybody's pretty much got one.
4: I want to talk to you just real quick about helmets. I see we're getting new helmets, and I just wonder, when you think back to Champaign and <laughs> you think back to Wyoming and, and all those 30 years that you were dealing with helmets and how they improved, what would what, what, what be your comments about helmets?
1: It's, uh, technology is amazing. We, uh, back in, when I was playing in high school and college for the first couple of years, it uh, They had the old, it was called a suspension helmet. It had a plastic ring at the top that was held in by rope. And it was actually developed by a guy named John T. Riddell. John T. Riddell developed the the helmets worn in, in uh, World War II. It was the same type of lining okay. that, the, the, that our troops wore back in the 40s. And uh, I, I'll never forget, I think uh, when I first started, helmets cost $35. And 25 of that was for liability. Because of injury, potential injury. Now they're, uh, I, I, they weren't like this my last year, but they are now. Where they uh, every every player that plays at Illinois, their head is lasered, and it's developed. The padding inside is developed just for their that, head. For that head. For that head. So that kid comes in, and I'm I'm assuming Illinois has an orange, white, navy, and maybe a gray helmet. Yeah. I, I don't know. Four if helmets. Have, four helmets. And if that kid practices one day, there's four helmets that that pff, are out the door. They can't be fit to anybody else. So uh, I've, I've been told that the cost of those are about three grand a piece. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's just amazing.
4: From thirty-five dollars to yeah. three grand. Yeah. In
1: in forty years, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the laser technology is it safer? Absolutely. Is it gonna totally reduce? Is it going to totally alleviate concussions? No, nothing's going to do that. Did you ever have a concussion huh yeah, many uh no there's only one that I know everybody I think everybody at one time another sees stars yeah you I, get think dinged. I think that's considered I think I read somewhere that's considered a concussion, but the one that i the one that I personally had was my sophomore year we were playing the University of Houston down the astrodome first game of the the, the first play of the game obviously a kickoff i took it out to about the 20 or 25 first play of the game I hit a guy or I should say a guy hit me a guy (laughs) named Mac Mitchell who was an all-american defensive end for Houston that year went to play with the Cleveland Browns he was all pro his first year we hit head to head and the next thing I knew it was after the game I I, there's a picture of me looking sitting on the bench with my arms out over the backrest looking up at the lights at the Astrodome. <laughs>
3: you don't even I remember Wondering
0: where you were. No, <laughs> no.
1: And the sad thing was my mom and one of my brothers drove all the way down there to watch me touch the ball twice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lauren has all of his concussions these days on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a walking You've concussion. Kind of he's a in club. <laughs> <laughs> hitting
4: in my head. You know, I've never, I never got a concussion in football, but I got hit with a baseball and twice with a golf ball Yeah, Ooh. <laughs> in the head. I didn't do it. <laughs> well, you know what? They just bounced off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> back in seventy-one, seventy-two, I guess, when you were looking for a place to play college, did you think about the U of I? Did they recruit you?
1: Absolutely. I, <clears throat> in fact, I, I every time I talked to a reporter, uh, I mentioned that how much I wanted to stay here in Champaign. I just I love Champagne. That's why we came back. Uh, I just enjoy it here. And uh, I made it known that I was going to go here uh, no matter what. But uh, Coach Black- uh, Bob Blackman was the head coach at that time. <clears throat> and on my recruiting trip over here, uh, I was hoping to, to be offered a scholarship. At that time, it was really the only way that I was going to be able to go to, to college. Uh, I, I grew up, my father passed away when I was five, and my mom uh, had five kids. And when my dad died, uh, she didn't have a job. She didn't have a driver's license. She, I mean, we, we didn't have a whole lot. So... When Bob called me into, when Coach called me into his office and said that we'd love you to come here, but you're really kind of slow and you're short and you're not big enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so other than, <laughs> other than that, we'd love to have you here and maybe in a couple of years. So I, I thanked him and, and walked out. And I was very disappointed because I, I really wanted to, to play. A, a, a friend of mine that, uh, that I played with in high school went here, walked on, and, uh, and stayed. And I would love to have played with him, but
4: uh, and Doug Glass came back here. What did, he came back here from Iowa State? Uh, Doug
1: went to Iowa State, I think, primarily because they allowed him to 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 run track, actually mm-hmm. pole vault, and yeah. to play football. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, did Doug come back here and play? I know I know Iowa State came back to play their freshman year, but I'm not sure. I I, I don't know. Okay, so. Um, but anyway, uh, another reason, as we already talked about, the, the scenery out in Wyoming, they, uh, they were going to pay for my education. So that pretty much sealed the deal right Did there. Did you
0: look at any other Big Ten schools? No. schools? You going to go that way, if it was going to be here, right?
1: You know, yeah. And, and back then, um, Coach Stewart, uh, it was really surprising because during the season, I, I hadn't received any mail from anywhere. I, I didn't think anybody was interested in me. And when the se- when the seventy one football season at Central got uh, completed, he called me into his office one day, and he had all this stacks of mail from all these places that uh, were interested in me. He was holding all the mail till the end of the year. I never really even considered some of the state schools, you know, the mm-hmm. the the Easterns and the Illinois states and the and the Northerns. Uh, and I'm not sure why. Um, uh, Tom, uh, Coach had, had obviously had a lot on his mind, but. Uh, just didn't have a lot of guidance that way, so.
0: Did you realize at the time when you were playing for Tommy Stewart what a great coach he was and what, what a, a legend he would become? Was he already well on his way to that at that point?
1: He was already there yeah. in in our eyes. He, yeah. uh, I mean, he. Uh, there were times where he scared you to death, I bet. but there were other times where you would have run through a brick wall uh, for him, so. He'd already made his name. Uh some of the you know the previous athletes that were you know the Bruce Elliotts and the and the Terry Andrews and the and the Eddie Chins and the Pete Reiner's and the and the guys like that. They they uh he was already a legend in our mind.
0: Andy Dixon, always good to uh, catch up. Do you miss uh working? Do you miss the equipment day to day? Good one, Steve. Grind? <laughs> Uh, well, look no. at what Lauren and I are both retired too, <laughs> and yet we're sitting here every Saturday morning. I, but, I
1: miss the I, I miss the camaraderie that I had with the players. Uh, I miss the road trips ever so often.
0: But not really. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: you know, it, it was what that job afforded me, and what I what I missed was uh, our our two daughters. They got to a point there in the late '80s where they thought everybody spent the the Christmas holidays in a hotel with a Christmas tree brought to their room. <laughs> when we went to five bowls in a row, I mean it. We were able to do things that I I probably wouldn't have been able to do with my family, uh, no matter what job I had. So uh, it was it was the best time of our lives. But uh, we're having a lot of fun now with not only our kids but our grandkids.
0: So you're gonna take that Wyoming shirt off, or you're gonna wear that every day until the game? Oh
1: I, no, it'll it'll come off. I gotta do some yard work today. <laughs> <so>. <laughs>
0: I haven't seen that one on you at the golf course. You have you? Uh,
1: I actually I wore a Wyoming. Lauren and I played up at Rantoul with uh, with Ted Beach and his son Andy uh, uh, earlier last year. But I actually wore a different Wyoming shirt. I'm yeah, a, that's last year. Yeah, that was last year. So uh, I, I sprinkle them in every once in oh a boy.
0: while. Well, good to see you. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Andy. Guys, thank you Appreciate very much. It. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun.
0: We'll take one final break. Then Lauren and I will wrap things up. After this, stay with us. Mike Mary,
5: and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store. Easy to find. 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign or visit them online. A
0: couple of minutes left on Limei Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. This particular edition, three weeks out from the first football game, Illinois and Wyoming. Baseball continues this afternoon and tonight. One note uh, I had that I didn't get to yet. You saw the news about uh, Jaren Howard not uh, on the Texas I coaching staff. don't understand stand. what happened
4: there. It, it, I, I read several stories, and they give no explanation other than he is looking at other opportunities.
0: saw so where he might uh, become a, a sports agent, somebody speculated. Is that right? He I hadn't might, heard uh, that. And he might be good at that. He's kind of a sales guy, but uh, I don't know what, uh, what uh, happened that... Uh, Caused this uh, departure, but Illinois plays yeah. Texas, and that so he was
4: just in Texas. One, he was with uh, Kansas eight years, and then Texas yeah. one year. One
0: year, yep. Yeah. So Jared Howard is uh, not with the uh, Texas Longhorns anymore,
4: and we play them this year. We've we seen him.
0: Madison Square Garden would have been uh, nice to run into him there. So uh, I think that uh, covers things. Appreciate uh, your time, Mister Tate. We'll let mm-hmm. you scoot on out of here. Thanks uh, to our guests, we heard from Bart Miller. Offensive line coach of the University of Illinois. Thanks to Michael Leroy for spending some time with us. Kevin McKinney, one of the radio voices of the Wyoming Cowboys, and Andy Dixon, who played at Wyoming and worked for 30 plus years as equipment manager at the University of Illinois. Thanks to Ed Bond for helping us out. We'll talk to you again next week on the Line I Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly for the guys. Have a good weekend, everybody.